What is the name of the series that we just finished? Do you guys remember? Gray areas. Gray areas, okay? So we ended up with our previous sermon series here on gray areas and so, so forth. You know, when we discuss that, we discuss about certain things and we discuss saying that we have, as Christians, we have been set free. We have been set free by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have the right to do anything. But then what is the second part to that? Not everything is good for us, right? So, in other words, we have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. And so, um, how do we know? How do we know if something is beneficial? So, we have six points that we talked about over the past two months or so. Do you guys, do you guys remember what those six points were? Be, okay, everything should be connected to God. Okay, that's that's good. Anybody else? Just want to see if we're, we've been listening. <laughs> oh, I, I saw uh, Jolene taking notes, so she had a bunch of notes. Um, you know, these, these past few weeks, but oh, did you? okay. So the first point was, uh, does it bring glory to God? Okay, whatever we do in our lives, we must ask ourselves, does it bring glory to God? The second point was, how will your behavior affect others? Okay, with the decisions that we make, how will it affect others? The third point is that, will this decision you make help yourself grow spiritually? Because many times we do so many things, but we never grow spiritually. And so we want to make sure that we're doing things that are helping us grow spiritually. The fourth thing is that we ask ourselves is that, is this something that we do, that this thing that we're doing, uh, this decision that we're making, is it absolutely necessary for us? Okay, is this something that's absolutely necessary for us? And many times in life, we get caught up with all these things that are not necessary in life, right? And so we're doing all these things, and we're not growing spiritually. We're not able to support the church. We're not able to, to help other people. We're not able to go out there and support those who are in need because we're doing so many things that are not necessary in our lives. And one of the examples that I, I use for us is that Eli's always eating food every single week, right? And so, like I said, that's not something that's necessary. And many times we always want to do something that's not, that's not necessary. And so we need to focus on things that are actually necessary for us. And then the fifth point is that will this action, okay, will this action that we take, we partake in, will it enslave us to a bad habit or to a sin? Okay, so if, if, if it's something that's controlling us, if it's something that will control our lives, we must not participate in it. So that's, that's uh, the fifth point. And then the, the last point that we talked about last week was, are we compromising biblical truth? Are we compromising biblical truth in the things that we are doing? And yet, what, we, what we're going to talk about this week is that even though we study these things, we have to come to the acknowledgement that regardless of this, there's always going to be Christians who disagree with us. There's always going to be Christians who disagree with us. And so what do we do? 
What do we do as brothers and sisters when Christians disagree with each other? And that's when Romans chapter 14 comes in, and the Apostle Paul is talking about how we deal with these issues, okay? You know, we've learned how to discern God's will for our life. We've learned how to, to make decisions as according to God's will. But even in doing so, we still have these, we're still human, so we're imperfect in the things that we do. We're imperfect in the decisions that we make. And so there's, so we're always going to find, we're always going to find disagreements among, even among our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what do we do when that happens? Now, St. Augustine, one of the greatest theologians to ever lived, he once said, in essentials, unity, in non, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. Okay? In all things, charity. So this is how St. Augustine, when, we, when he was talking about how we deal with these uh, disagreements, this is what he says, in essentials, unity, non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, there must be charity. And so the very first thing that I want us to understand is that we need to learn to distinguish between the essentials and the non-essentials of the Christian faith. The essentials and the non-essentials of the Christian faith. Because I don't want us to misunderstand Romans chapter 14. I don't want us to look at Romans chapter 14. And many times we often do this to the Bible. We will pull out a verse or we will pull out a chapter from the Bible and we will build a whole doctrine or a whole belief system around that one chapter or that one verse. And the scripture, when it was originally written, it was never written with chapters and verses and things of that sort. It was written as a letter, and all these things were added on later for us to make it easier for us to study the scripture. It was never meant for us to just pick and choose which uh, chapter that, that, that we believe in or which verse we believe in. And so I don't want us to misunderstand Romans chapter 14 here, and I don't want us to think that what Romans chapter 14 is doing here is just teaching us that there is no, no longer any core beliefs to Christianity, because that's not what the Apostle Paul is trying to uh, communicate with us, okay? Because he spent the first 11 chapter of Romans, okay, the first 11 chapters of Romans, he spent those chapters explaining to us about the core beliefs of Christianity, Okay, he explains to us the essential stuff of Christianity. This is what it means to be a Christian. And he goes into all the doctrinal beliefs, all the theology behind uh, the belief of Christianity, behind the practice of Christianity. And when he comes to chapter 12, when he comes to chapter 12, he starts going into how we put these things into practice. And in chapter 12, he talks about us as, in, as individual Christians, right? As individual Christians, how do we put all these theological beliefs that we have into practice. And he goes on to chapter 13, how, how we respond to, um, how we respond to the government, even if the government is oppressing us, okay? Even if they're oppressing us, how do we respond to them? And then here in chapter 14, he's talking about now our relationship with each other. Our relationship with each other in regards to disputable matters or in regards to gray areas that we're talking about. That when we disagree with each other, how are we going to respond? How are we going to, um, how are we going to treat each other? And so the first thing we need to do is 
come to understand what the essentials of the Christian faith is. And as we study the, the scriptures and as we study Romans, we see what these essentials of the Christian faith is. The first thing is the deity of Jesus Christ. This is an essential to the Christian faith. The Christian faith does not teach that Jesus Christ is just a moral lawgiver, or, or it doesn't teach that Jesus Christ is just a teacher, okay? It does, not, it does not say that Jesus Christ was simply a miracle worker. But the New Testament, the entire New Testament, talks about the deity of Jesus Christ. It talks about Jesus Christ being God himself. In Romans chapter 9, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is what? He is God, you see? So he is God overall, blessed forever. And so that is something that's essential to the Christian faith, is the belief that Jesus Christ himself is God in flesh, that he is God in flesh. He is the creator of all things, that he was, he was there at the beginning, he's the, he's the alpha and he's the omega, okay? You know, he's not someone that just, you know, all of a sudden appeared, you know, that was finally, you know, in existence at the time of his birth with Mary. That's not who Jesus Christ is. But Jesus Christ, he is the beginning and he is the end. He is the one that all things were created in him and through him. And that's who Jesus Christ is. And so Paul makes that very, very clear throughout all of his letters in the New Testaments. That he, he made that very, very clear. And even in Romans, he, he made that very clear for us that Jesus Christ is God. And that is an essential thing to Christianity. That is an essential thing to the, to the faith that we practice. The next thing is the original sin. Original sin is something that is essential to the Christian faith. And the Apostle Paul opens up the book of Romans with things that m many of us may even find to be offensive because he talks about the wrath of God being revealed uh, against the sins of people, right? In Romans chapter 1, he opens up about these things. And we saw, we, we see, we see the story of original sin in Genesis chapter 3. And not only that, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the Apostle Paul wrote, Sin entered the world through one man, okay? And death through sin, and in this way death come to all people, because all have sinned. Because all have sinned. And, and other, in other words, you know, if without, without sin, there is no need for Jesus Christ. When we refuse to talk about original sin, then there's no need for Jesus Christ anymore. There's no need for the death of Jesus Christ because Christ came to die to release us from the bondage of sin. The reason why Christ came, the promise in the garden was that Christ was going to set us free from sin. And so the first thing is the deity of Jesus Christ. The second thing is original sin. Now, the third thing that is essential to the Christian faith is a, a confessing or a repentance from sin, a turning away from sin. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Okay? That God's grace, his kindness, his mercy, his patience, all these things that he does for us, it's meant to lead us to repentance. 
And I've talked to, about this with some of my Hmong leaders. Uh, when we, we often talk about how many times grace, you know, when we look at grace, and we often take advantage of God's grace. We think that God's grace allows us to go out and continue to live a life in sin. But that's not the whole point of God's kindness. It's not the whole point of God's grace, okay? But rather, the point of his grace, his his kindness, his goodness, his forbearance, his patience, the point of all of this, the reason why he does all of this for us is that he intends for us to turn away from sin and to lead us to repentance. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, if you declare or if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And so, so this point here is to understand that confessing or the repentance of sin is something that is essential to the Christian faith. Another thing that is essential to the Christian faith is the belief of the Holy Trinity. We know many Christian denominations, they no longer believe in the Holy Trinity. They don't believe in, in, um, in God in three persons, right? They don't believe in that. But that's something that the Scripture reveals to us, that God is one, yet in three persons, and we call that the Holy Trinity. Another thing that is essential to the Christian faith is the belief in the resurrection. And we, we've talked about this before during, um, during Easter. It's the belief in the resurrection. And this belief is the belief that he rose, he rose up from the dead in physical form, not just spiritual form. Okay, some people, some, some churches and some Christian, you know, denominations, they may teach that Jesus Christ only rose in spiritual form. But what is essential to the Christian faith is that Christ rose actually in physical form. And that's why in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it continues on and it says, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Okay? So it is in this. So, so there's two parts to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The first part is to confess with your mouth. The second part is to believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. And so that was, that's what Paul is talking about. And so it's, it's something that's it's, believing in the resurrection, is something that is very, very, uh, it's necessary in the Christian faith. It's very hard for us to do. It's very hard for us to do, and it takes a lot of faith to believe, but we have to understand that our God, he, he exists outside the realm of what we often limit him to, right? And so we can't limit God to what we understand, but we need to understand that God is so much greater than that. God is so much greater than many of the things that we can do, you know? And so that's one point. And, and another point that we need to understand in terms of essential essential stuff to the Christian faith is the incarnation of Jesus Christ himself. The incarnation of Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 3, talks about God becoming flesh. And this goes back to what I was talking about, the deity of Jesus Christ, is that, you know, we don't believe that Jesus Christ only came into assistance when he was born in Bethlehem. That's not, that's not what the Christian faith is, is about. Okay, the incarnation of Christ, as we know that he is God and he took upon flesh. And Paul, he acknowledges this. He acknowledges this in Romans chapter 1, verse 3. He says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David, according to the flesh. And so by saying this, he is acknowledging that Jesus Christ took upon flesh and is a descendant in his flesh. He is a descendant of David. And he was appointed to be the powerful son of God, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of 
of the dead. And so the fact that he rose up from the dead, okay, the fact of the resurrection is what actually proves that he is God himself. Because no man, no man can overcome death. Okay, no man can overcome death. And so Paul is trying to argue that there's only one that can overcome death, and that is Jesus Christ. And because, he's, because of that, that is what proves, that's what shows, that's an evidence that Jesus Christ is God himself. And so that's, that's another point. Another point uh, that is essential to, to the Christian faith is the new birth. John talks, uh, Jesus talks with Nicodemus about being born again. And, and Paul also reemphasized on this in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And he says in that, in that verse, he says, We have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. So he's talking about that new birth, that newness of life, that we're, when we're being baptized, we're being, when we're being put in, under the water, it represents our death. Okay, the old self has gone. Okay, you have now died to the old self, and as you rise up from the water, now you are a new creation. You are a new person. That represents that new birth, and that is essential to the Christian faith. Many times we come to Christianity without ever experiencing that new birth. And that's, that's, not really, that's not really Christianity, because Christianity requires that new birth. Okay? And then the last point that is very essential to the Christian faith is the belief in the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is known as uh, eschatology. And we have many different views here as Christians. We have many different views in terms of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We have views like pre-millennialism, you know, amillennialism, uh, post-millennialism, and all these different uh, views of the second coming. But these are secondary issues, right? The, the, the important thing, the essential thing is the belief that Christ is coming back. Now, we can debate all you know, all day about, you know, how we believe Jesus Christ is going to return and things of that sort. And we, do, we can talk, argue about that all day long, but it doesn't matter. What really matters is that we believe that he is returning, that Jesus Christ, he is coming again. And so these are the, so the first thing we need to do is we need to learn how to distinguish what are the essentials and the non-essentials. And in and, and doing that, we'll be able to do what St. Augustine is saying, that in essentials that we need unity. We need to be united in those things, okay? A lot of times as we read Romans chapter 14, sometimes we misapply it, and so we take out all the essential stuff of the Christian faith, all the core beliefs of the Christian faith. So we don't have these, any core beliefs anymore, and so we're lost. We lose our identity. We lose our identity as a church because we have no foundation anymore. You know, many times we sacrifice it for the sake of diversity. And diversity is good. I'm not saying diversity is bad. But many times we, but it's not meant for us to sacrifice it, you know, over the, you know, sacrifice all of our foundational beliefs just for its sake. And many times we go too far that we have no, that we no longer have any core beliefs as Christians. And so we all come to church, but nobody believes in Jesus Christ anymore, right? Or we all come to church, no one believes in the scriptures anymore. We talked about this among our, our circuit pastors is that, you know, how do we respond to someone, a member of the church, who continuously, openly, who openly always talks about not believing in Jesus Christ? You know, how do we respond to, to members of that sort? Or someone who's, who openly says they don't 
accept anything in the scripture? How do we respond to things like that? And, and it's, a difficult, it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult situation because as pastors, we are called to uphold these things, to uphold Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to uphold the teachings of the scriptures. Even in our Methodist uh, denomination itself, it teaches us that everything that is needed for salvation is within the scripture itself. Okay, So places an emphasis on the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of scriptures. And so sometimes we have to, so as pastors, we come together, we discuss these things. How do we respond to people who come to our church and they'll say they, they don't accept many of the things that we teach? How do we respond to that? And it's always a difficult uh, discussion to have. Always really is. Because at the same time, because what you want to do is you want to help people grow. You want to help people uh, you want to disciple people, but there, there are people, there are people who just don't want to be discipled. Uh, one of our, our pastors in, in our circuit, um, he, he, he talks about having a member who's writing him a letter every single day bothering him about the Bible, you know, just telling him every single day that I don't want you to teach the Bible anymore. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't know why you keep teaching the Bible every single day, right? Oh, every single week. And he talks about that. And that's a challenge for him. And he doesn't know how to respond to that. And that's one, that's the reason why we came together and kind of discussed that topic. How do we respond to someone like that? And some of the pastors are saying, you know, just refer him to a new church, right? <laughs> just refer him to a new church. But, you know, these are challenges that we face. But what, what does the Apostle Paul say? What does the Apostle Paul say to us? And how are we going to respond to these things? And we're running out of time, so I'm going to leave it at this, okay? I'm just going to leave it at this um, for us to understand that we need, the first thing is that we need to understand the difference between what is essential and what is non-essential. Okay, what is essential and what is non-essential. And the essential things are, one, the deity of Christ, the original sin, the confessing and repentance of sin, the Trinity, the resurrected Jesus Christ in physical form, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the new birth, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. So these are the things that we believe that are essential to our Christian faith. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace upon us, Father. Father, I know that as, as Christians, we often come into your presence and we struggle with many things that are core to our beliefs, that are foundational to our beliefs. And yet, Father, we ask that you forgive us. We ask that you forgive us and you just empower us and continue to teach us and continue to be there with us and walk with us as we discern our own faith, Father, as we learn more and more about our own faith. And so, Father, we lift up everyone here to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.